Hi, this is Stephanie. And this is Tony. And we just wanted to talk to you guys right quick. We just wrapped a really great podcast with uh, Nate Clendenin. And uh, we got to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but first, plugs in the front. In case you don't make it to the end of the show, please send us your limerick and haiku ideas, and we can send them back to you. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. And giving us good reviews, please. Please give us good reviews. At least the stars. You can, you can write nothing. You can write bad things, but give the five stars because... Um, if you do like the show, more people will hear it if you like it. Uh, now, if you've been listening to the last couple of weeks, we usually do like a little preview like this is what we talked about and this is what we liked. But as we were wrapping up and, you know, spoilers, Nate's still in the room. Um, we realized that one, like one of the stories we wanted to ask him to talk about. We didn't get to. We forgot. So instead, you're going to have to listen to the whole show to see what we really talk about. But uh, Stephanie's going to ask him some questions and he's going to give some answers. When you were out in California last time, mm-hmm. you potentially authored some songs on Henry Miller's desk. Potentially. Rumored to be. There's, there's, there was all this Henry Miller mystique, and I'm glad we were able to talk about this because this is the most literary thing that I've got to talk about probably <laughs> in my entire life. But uh, yeah, I uh, got stranded on a mountaintop in, outside of Big Sur um, next door to Henry Miller's old house. Where he, uh, I mean, obviously he he lived in several houses up and down Big Sur, but wrote a lot of a lot of stuff when he was there. And uh, this desk was made of a redwood that fell on the property. It's a very, it's it takes a lot of work getting up there, up to the uh, up on Partington Ridge, and uh, and yeah. So there's all this folklore on the desk, and the house itself that I was staying in was actually also owned by a published author who knew him really well, and so. Whether or not, I mean, there's, there's all I will say for sure that the energy in that house on that ridge top and coming out of that desk was insane. It was pen to paper immediately. And, uh, I've never quite felt like that before. It was very cool. Yeah. I remember we were I talking, I can't believe we forgot to talk about this. I know. Well, we're, we're, we're doing it now. We're doing it now. Yeah. So, but when we were, when we, when you came back and we were talking about it and you said it was almost like you walked in the room and you just sort of like dropped all your stuff and like just went straight to that desk like give me a pen give me a paper it was almost like that instantaneous connection it was wild and truthfully i uh, my friend whose house who was staying in the house and invited me up there she hadn't told me the whole story on it yet and i walked in and, then, and it was just such a uh, such an amazing piece of furniture as weird as that might sound but uh no, that and doesn't it was, sound weird. It was yeah, very yeah. impressive and, um, like I said, made out of a fallen redwood. And it was right in front of this huge window that just looked out over the ridge and out across the Pacific. And it was very intense. And uh, and then she told me the story. And, and that's when I was very intentionally decided what I was going to place on that desk for the next week. Or I ended up being there for a week because I got stranded. But um, <laughs> for the next few days, as was the plan then. And... Uh, yeah, it was cool. So, but in my mind, I'm just gonna say that you wrote those songs on Henry it's, Miller's well, desk. Well, he he, they hung out. I mean, he hung out there in this house. Man. I mean, like he it was the the energy was was there. It was there, and uh, yeah, it was, and you got to tap into it for your for your music. I stole a pen out of the drawer. <gasps> Get out of town! It's just an, it was just an old regular, just a normal pen, and you know, not valuable or nothing, but. It works really well. 
And that's uh, also it's for pen theft. We're well beyond the uh, statute of limitations. Yes, it's cool. And, yeah. And he also brought him over state lines or whatever. <laughs> um, all right, so cool. So um, you're going to hear the rest of the show in a little bit where we talk about not this, but other things like songwriting and... Musicking. And all that fun stuff. <laughs> all that sorts of stuff with Nate. So here we go. Here's Nate. I think writing songs, there's a lot less quote-unquote rules in writing music and songs than there is in writing prose and poetry and, and novels and all sorts of stuff. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I've been dealing off and on with some pretty intense writer's block for years, and sometimes it just doesn't come. You know, the only times I really feel like I can sit down and work objectively on a song is when I'm like in the middle of just rolling through a bunch of stuff. Hi, this is Stephanie Fallon. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have award-winning bluegrass musician and songwriter, Nate Clendenin. Since the age of 14, he has crafted his identity through music, playing every instrument he could get his hands on. Over the years, he has performed with musicians of all genres, finding himself steeped in influences ranging from rock to bluegrass, folk to blues. Music has taken Nate to Australia, Brazil, and all corners of the U.S., but this bona fide road warrior is here with us to discuss songwriting. So welcome to the podcast, Nate. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here. You and I have known each other since we were knee high to grasshoppers. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I kind of got to watch the musician that we know of and then the bluegrass musician that we know of is Nate Clendenin out. Like, I got to see you grow up from the beginnings of your, you know, your musical career. And I watched you learn to play the piano and pick up the guitar and, and all of that. And then, I guess it was about, about high school, you started into songwriting. True. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it was inevitable. I don't know. And actually, and actually even go, moving back a bit, I do remember the first songs I tried to write were in elementary school. And I think it, it was, I remember them as really bad raps or something. <laughs> like, and I was, uh, really young and just trying to put words together. So as you, as you progressed, I don't want to go too far too fast, but you you started off as a, as a drummer and a rapper and, and, <laughs> and as as all as all white musicians as, do. Of course. But as you added instruments, did that? What did that bring to your songwriting? Like now I now I play the piano and I write songs like this. Now I also play the guitar, and so now I have three instruments that I can have in my head. Right, that's a good question. Um, truthfully, I I I kick myself every day for not having stuck with formal instruction on the piano um because that's probably technically my first instrument but i didn't i just didn't stick with it and learn it Mm. and i find now after i've almost exclusively written on guitar since you know since being a teenager um that anytime i'm around a piano the first thing i do is i put my guitar to the side and i just walk up to the piano and and play it and whenever i have the i'm lucky enough to have the time to do that inevitably something new happens even if i'm just playing the same chord and i can't play the piano well so it's just triads just easy stuff and she's like oh that sounds so much different even though uh, you, you know, know and i'll pick the guitar sound. up and i'll hit and i'll try and work on it more and i'm like this just doesn't sound right and i'm gonna go back to the piano but um i don't know I, i've always found playing different instruments to be kind of like cross training in athletics it's you know you can play the same chord and it sounds completely different and it just inevitably just shakes something loose and gets some gets some sort of ball rolling now some of your influences 
um, for songwriting. I mean, you know, obviously you, I pick up notes of the, the Dylan and, you know, some of the, the other folks in there. Does that, mm-hmm. when you, when we were growing up, what, how did you kind of feed that, that fuel? Um, let's see. Um, also another good question. Thank I'm getting you. asked all these good questions. It's cool. Um, uh, I don't know. Like it, it's kind of hard to, I mean, I would never in a million years compare myself to Dylan at all on any level of anything. Um, but I guess maybe sometimes you set out to like, you hear a song that really gets you or, or just grabs you and you're like, man, how, I wonder how that was written. And so maybe you sit down and try and come up with a a cadence or just something similar. Um, I think when I really actually, and I've given this advice to like my younger students and stuff. Uh, when I started writing songs, I would find a song that I knew inside and out that was already written and learn that and then start changing it a little bit. And, but just to, as a template, and I couldn't give you anything specific off the top of my head, but, um, but I don't know, just looking at the people you really look up to and you're like, I wonder how they did that and sit down and learn that song. And I mean, I would, once again, I would never compare myself to Dylan in any so, way. But. Well, but the idea, uh, especially telling, so you, I guess you teach music as well. I, I do from time to time. I've had a couple guitar students over the years. Um, yeah. the, the idea that you can learn structure by changing it seems really interesting to me because I never would have thought of it that way. But like, if you want to write a song, then this is how a song goes. Right. Start with how a song goes, and then figure out how your Branch song out. goes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think that was uh, unintentional for me back in the day. I'd, maybe I just didn't know where to start or whatever, but you know, I'd have a favorite song and just be singing it incessantly in my head. And occasionally, I'm like, you know, I, w- I would much rather this word be in there. And that happens to me all the time now. I listen to great songs. I'm like, man, I wonder why I didn't put that <laughs> word in there. I feel like it would be so much better. Well, one of one of the things it's it's I think similar for for prose writers is whatever I've read last, that's that's how I write. Like, I, I've gotten to the point where I can't read Hunter Thompson or Kurt Vonnegut at all if I intend to write anything that's even kind <laughs> of original. I just can't, I just can't pick it up because, right. the, because it, the, the voices leach into your own writing and the cadences. It's, and it's, uh, I used a song earlier before we started recording, but it's, it's romantic. Like, you, you get latched on to certain things. And it's like, um, you know, and, and whether it's intentional or not, it's just flowing through you already an idea and coming out i'm sure it's that's i don't know if that makes sense to me yeah it's almost like the notion of um you know for writers i'm kind of hearing you talk about songwriting and listening to the songs and it's almost like for writers like for prose writers that we're not planting flags anywhere i mean all the territory's been covered every subject has been covered and all those sorts of things so we we look to the ones that you know have done it before us and who have done it really well and we kind of analyze, okay, how did, you know, Kurt Vonnegut handle character? How did, you know, Henry Miller handle the scenes? How did all these different people handle the various structures that they did? And then we kind of go, oh, that's that's how this craft works, right? <laughs> right? So, and, and it's also subjective to all of us, too. You know, some people, you know, and I very admittedly don't read a lot. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to get into a debate as to how Kurt Vonnegut develops his characters, but I, I wouldn't do it either, or, or whatever. <laughs> I just, you know, but um, 
um, you know, we find people that we like and who that person, that's a perfect song or that's a perfect passage or just the combination of those words just resonates and someone else might not think the same thing. So it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's nice to find people that you really like and think that are doing it well. Cause it's different for everybody, but it's like, I want to, you know, think about it like that as opposed to think about it, how, you know, whoever else. So when you approach songwriting, because to me, uh, you know, as a, as a prose writer, as a nonfiction writer, I've got pages and pages and pages to work out whatever it is I'm trying to hem at. Mm-hmm. But with a song, you've got, you know, you, you can't have thousands and thousands. I mean, it's not, you know, well, I mean, you could. Don't I tell guess. Bob Dylan that well, or <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Don't tell those dudes that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, won't, we won't fight with those guys. I'm sure they're not listening to, to this one. But, you know, you've got a limited amount of time. You've got a limited amount of words right. to convey what you're going for. So how do you approach a song when you've got it in your mind? Well, I mean... Truthfully, I mean, uh, admittedly, in the last few years, I'm, my my mind feels too burdened just to sit down and 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 be open. And but in in years past, that's how it was. There'd be endless pages of stuff, and and I do have endless pages of stuff that are fragments or whatever. Um, but I guess more specifically with the time frame, because a radio song is really no longer than four minutes. Um, you know, you sit down and you pull out, and sometimes this actually happens when I learn Cohen songs or Dylan songs and want to play them live in Ocean City. You know, you can't play a twelve-minute Desolation <laughs> Row. <laughs> right. You know, you, sometimes you're like, all right, well, I'm going to pick seven of these fourteen verses or however many are in that song. But so I, maybe it's similar sitting down and writing where you, you have, you know, I know y'all do a lot of editing and you sit down, you pull out the best pieces and figure out how they fit together and, uh, and do some editing, you know, but, um, you know, certain bases should be covered as, as I'm sure it is with the process in, in writing a book or poems or whatever. Um, you know, like, all right, well, just tell the story or to get out what I need to get out. There's certain things that do need to be said. And maybe some of that other stuff can be said in another song or somewhere else at some other time. I don't know. Um, so actually, I just, I just recall this and I'm going to ask the question by telling you a story. You were actually on the, one of our first podcasts uh, with Todd. Dunn. Yes, that's true. A thousand years ago. That was a while ago. I think that we did it out by the Ocean City Skate Park. Or was it in no, the? I feel like it was at. I think it was at Burley. Or was it Burley? I think it was at Burley. Anyway, um, and what what the cool thing about that was that you were you were the first uh, like working musician that we had that we had had on. Oh, like cool. And what was what was that process where that became like your real job? Well, that's. Uh, I would. It's been in hindsight. It's been forever however when it got to the point where i was like paying my bills with it um was when i finally made it back here to eastern shore and uh with ocean city in berlin this area there's obviously a lot of work um i heard some statistic years ago that between the uh 155 or 60 blocks that is the maryland state line to the inlet there's over 250 liquor licenses in between there you know there's a lot of places to play music um and so, yeah, maybe six, seven years ago, um, only until recently, I, I have not clocked in at another job for anyone else in seven years, um, which is, 
it's nice. It's, it's been nice to be self-employed and, and, and hitting hard for a while. And also doing originals. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you weren't, you weren't just, you, I don't mean merely, I mean only. Well, right. No. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, a lot of the work around here and all over the country and the world for that matter, a lot of it is, is, you know, if you plan to work seven days a week as a musician, you know, there's going to be a lot of covers to play. Um, that's kind of nice in, in the essence where you can pick out the covers that you really like and kind of proliferate that your own, uh, aesthetic of, of what you listen to. Um, but yeah, I've my, myself and a lot of other folks in this area, um, have worked really hard to get, uh, to have original music being part of, uh, just the daily routine for us. Um, and when I moved back to town and somebody told me the rule was if it's on the radio, then you can play it at a gig in Ocean City. And luckily, you know, the radio around here plays our stuff. <laughs> and so I was like, well, cool. I just heard that one on the radio on the way to the gig. So we're going to play this one again. This is, this is an original song, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but there is a there is a culture here of original songwriters. Def- oh, definitely. And it's, it's not as necessarily uh, as visible um, – and certainly when we're all out doing our quote unquote work gigs, which are fun. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this, like I have any qualms with working at a work gig mm. as a musician. There are gigs that I don't play original music, but, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's, no, it just, uh, there, there's a, there's a, there's a culture here, even though it's not visible. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Um, <laughs> there is, and there always has been, there's been a really, really great punk and hardcore scene on the Eastern shore for years. Like when I was a kid growing up, bands like toxic freedom, um, out of Salisbury and, and this metal band called obnoxion. And then they kind of morphed into another metal band called fist and like all these great, great bands. Um, and from a long time ago, and there's those, a lot of those dudes are still around playing music. Um, and in the last few years, you know, the ocean city scene has kind of evolved on all levels and there's just all sorts of people doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, Russo here in town, Brian, um, has always been writing and playing out. And he's one of the reasons why I decided to actually move to ocean city. Um, Phantom limbs, love them. Lower class citizens have always been great. Like they're there right. doing it. Um, it's just not necessarily once again, as visible a part of the, the music landscape around here, but Chris English, great blues guy, all, all sorts of great stuff happening here. Yeah. And then this, like, I don't want to say it's random, but then this, uh, bluegrass scene, mm-hmm. That, you know, now Berlin has this really well-known bluegrass. Well, the Berlin Fillers Convention. Yeah. This will be the 25th year. I mean, it's been going for a while. Um, and uh, and it's nice to have seen that evolve. There's been a lot of people that have done a lot of work to to keep that uh, event going. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I do. I started playing bluegrass when I was living in Blue Ridge, uh, Mountains of Virginia, years, well, what, over 10 years ago now. But came back home to the shore, and of course, it's really rural here. It's really country down here. And I was like, where is the bluegrass in bars or on the street corners or whatever? And, and um, you know, started busting in all my bluegrass buddies and and come to find out there's tons of people doing it here, and it's great. I just And, and that specifically has become more visible um, or audible, as it were, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to the shore. And it's I think it's an appropriate – it's a really – it's a great, great thing to have bluegrass all over the place around here. It's nice. Now, as a songwriter, as you move between genres, do you do you find the type of music that you're writing? Do you find that it changes 
or do you find that your philosophy or your mood or any of those things kind of well, changes you move? Psh, my mood always changes. <laughs> I've been cranky for days, <laughs> but the Orioles won yesterday, so I feel a little better. Well, um, <laughs> um, yes and no. Um, I find the last writing spell I had was out in California a few months ago, and um, I wrote maybe three. I know it's not a lot, but three new songs and all three of them were completely different. One was kind of a twangy country tune that could have worked with bluegrass. Um, the other was more ethereal kind of just, they were just all different. Um, and I guess sometimes it does affect if I'm listening to a lot of Radiohead or something, I'm going to try and be a little, or I'm going to just like we were saying earlier, like the last thing you listen to or last thing you read, um, you know, if I've been listening to a lot of Radiohead, I'll probably, whether it's intentional or not, sit down and come up with something a little more far out than if I'd been listening to, you know, Hank Williams or something. Yep. Now, you've produced your own records, too? Um, well, t- technically, I have not produced because I have producers that I work with oh, that, sorry. that help us do that. You know, you made your own records all by yourself. Yes. No, <laughs> we've, uh, we've, I've released a lot of stuff over the years. Um a couple solo projects and a couple projects with, uh, my current electric band, um, Eastern electric. And, and now we have a bluegrass EP saltwater string band. Um, but yeah, yeah. When we, when we go to publish something, it's, it's a process where we kind of know at the beginning, all right, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, this is, this is how long it's going to be. This is going to be the scope of it. When you go to put together a record, is that the same Writing a record, is it? Is it, oh, all right, now I'm up to 15 songs that I like. Let's stick them all on here, or is it? Um, great question. Once again, I love, I love it. Good questions. We just started doing this like five minutes ago. <laughs> uh, man, no, it's cool. It's cool to hang out with writers. I like it. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, uh, sometimes it's, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, we got 15 tunes. We need to, we need to get them down and, and record them just for record Mm. um and other times you know i'll have a and i haven't had a writing smell like this spell like this in a while where i sit down and write like an entire release worth of material in let's say like one week that used to happen um a little more often than it does now but uh you know and then there's the concept album which i think has been was obviously huge in the seventies, sixties and seventies where people would sit down with an idea and have 10 to 13 movements of that thing. And it's all 13 different songs or whatever, but, um, that's still around to a certain extent. I haven't ever really worked in that, uh, in that way before, but it's, it's, that seems like it'd be really hard to do just because it feels, it feels a little, a little precious, right? Or is this, do, you, do you feel like it would be like? And it's um, uh, I don't I don't write poetry really, mm. um, but like it would be see, like I'm going to sit down and write an epic poem. Like, Are you really? <laughs> <laughs> or like here's well, a here's a collection so. of mine. Yeah, you know? but that's what well that's what I mean. Like from the right. outside, that seems it's forced. Like, it seems very forced. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if that's something you could break through because there are people who I'm sure write wonderful epic poems. I mean, epic mm-hmm. poems are still a thing that people do, and I'm sure that they're good. Right. But I feel like it'd be really, really difficult to 
lock in until until you were three or four songs in. You're like, oh wait, there's a theme here. I can finish this. Right, right. Um, I did find this this release that we're getting ready to put the the next half out. Um, I, th- I can't remember some somewhere in the one of the informations of this of the release was like it could exist as a concept album too. Uh, or for broken-hearted troubadours, or it could be a soundtrack to your favorite musical of whatever. Like there, sometimes it's un, the theme is unintentional, right? <laughs> you know? Right. You can lay over top of it. And it came yeah. up like, oh, all these these songs are written about three different people, and they all have similar things that tie them all together. So this does all work together. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been writing a lot of. I've been. Writing a lot of sad stuff these last few years, you know. Right. I, I, that's really just how it's been been happening. It's been coming, and, and I, I'm kind of done with the sad, you know. I would, at least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always wondered for songwriters, um, does is does the song come to you, uh, and, and maybe it happens both ways, but does it come to you as a as music in your mind, and then you try to figure out what words match? that melody or that harmony or is it like you almost have a poem in your head that you're working through and you're like all right this is going to make a cool song and then you've got it all written and you're like and now i have a skeleton that i need to put you know um, you know muscles and skin and and stuff on how does does it work both ways it works any way it works you know it's uh i've written both of those ways and sometimes you know a, a real like there's these chords a chord progression i came up with seven years ago eight years ago and originally the i wanted to this i wanted the song that ended up getting written from that to have a certain feel or or subject matter and nothing that really came out i really wanted to put on that chord progression and it took till till i was sitting up in big sur to finally get some lyrics together that fit those chords. Um, whereas sometimes I sit down and just write words and words and words and like, all right, well, this sounds to me like a country waltz or this sounds to me like a blues song or whatever. And then it's sit down that, I mean, it's, it really, you know, people say, take it easy, you know, I'm like, Hey, take it easy. I'm like, well, I'll take it any way it comes, you know? And, <laughs> it's, uh, and that's definitely how, how I feel. I'll just, I'll take it any way it comes. <laughs> Now, so you're recently back from California? Um, about a, well, two months now. It's not as recent as I, as it feels. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I just went out, out west for a little while. Were you, were you working or were you vacationing? Or? Well, you know, with my life, it's kind of all work and all vacation at the same time. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I needed some space and I really specifically wanted to write. Um, I did not write as much as I had wanted to, but... I guess we never do. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just took some space and time and, and went out, went out West and it was awesome. Well, it's, it's <laughs> funny. I, I have, I have, so what I do instead of notes that I just have titles of essays that I'm probably never going to write. But one of the more recent ones is uh, for a writer, every vacation is a working vacation mm-hmm. because when you get out and you're like, okay, look at all this stuff. I have new scenery. Right. I have new experiences. Um, but to to do that to do that intentionally was that and that was your you're like I'm going to change my scene and change my mind or yeah you know there there'd been a lot of things um, you know a lot of energy here that I kind of I don't want to say leave behind altogether I don't want to sound uh, crass or whatever um, 
but I just, I just needed a change of scenery. And luckily what I do for a living allowed me to be able to do that. Like I'm definitely aware of the fact that a lot of folks, when uh, I'm aware that a lot of people want to just get up and go and, you know, uh, I'm just, I feel really lucky that I was able to do that when I really had to. Now, do you book shows out there or do you, do you... There were a few. Um, I had a friend uh, in Arizona that had a band, so I just sat in with him a bunch and they do some bluegrass stuff and some old time stuff. So we had a lot of mutual, a lot of common material. And then I did a show in LA, a showcase for my guitar sponsor and just, I don't know, kind of pieced together some work here and there, but the... Uh, the intention wasn't to go and perform mm. as often as possible, which is pretty much how it is all other times <laughs> of my life. But um, I just needed needed some time to just sit down and play and just practice and learn a couple new tunes, write a couple new tunes, just think about stuff. I don't know. Now, who's your guitar sponsor and how did that happen? Um, well, actually, it's uh, the Godan company. They're out of Canada. Um, I play Simon and Patrick guitars. I play a bunch of other stuff too, but um, Simon and Patrick, they're handmade guitars. They're actually quite nice and at decent price points. You can find them at <laughs> simonandpatrickguitars.com. <laughs> um, but so I actually met the my rep when he was at a, another instrument manufacturer whose instruments I play. I met him when he was the rep at that company and got to be friends. He took, took really good care of me as a touring musician. I was in San Diego and, uh, this was back in 06, but then I got in the market for the Simon and Patrick and contacted them and turns out we knew each other. And, and so we sat down and, you know, I'd do a bunch of shows every year and he said, that's just, you know, plenty of work and plenty of visibility for us. Like we'd be happy to help you out with an instrument and which I was very happy to come and play for them in LA at the NAM show, which was just insane. Um, is that North American music or yes, North, uh, North American music merchants Ah. or national association of music merchants. There There we go. go. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was a huge trade show. It was really, really super fun. But I just asked though. And for anyone out there, that's a performer or thinks like, Oh, maybe I could get sponsored or whatever. Just, just ask, you know, that's so that means, like, at the end of a show, you can just, like, smash a guitar and then like, they'll just hey, hand you another one? Man, Bob, I totally busted my instrument at the gig. Can you send me another one? No. I think uh, <laughs> I could probably do that once unintentionally <laughs> and they, they'd, they'd uh, replace it. But Getting back to your uh, albums, because mm-hmm. uh, I was, was going to say that, uh, I guess, music sponsors, uh, instrument sponsors are kind of like publishers, but there are there are music publishers. That's a thing in your in your world. There, Yeah, there are. And... Um, did you produce your – were your albums produced independently or did you work for uh... – Always independent. Um, I've, you know, I've, we've all – everyone who does this long enough gets, you know, gets some calls. You right. Know? I'm sure you all get emails like, oh, I found your book on blah, blah, blah. It was interesting. Talk to you about a whatever. Um, and it's just always worked out to do that. Um, technology, which is a whole nother, a whole nother show, um, you know, has made, you know, has, has made the recording process a little more immediate, which is, which is cool. You know, we can, you can track a record in, in a couple, couple, three days mm-hmm. and get a really great product, um, provided, you know, everyone knows the software and knows how to really get it done. Um, 
but yeah, we've always, always done it on our own. Um, we did a crowdsourcing campaign a few years ago for one, which was great. And, uh, if anyone out there contributes to us and is listening, thank you very much once again. Um, yeah. You know. And do you, do you record in a home studio or are there enough studios around here for you to, we, we actually go across the bridge. Um, there are some decent studios around here. Um, and we just fell in a lot of, once again, getting back to the subjectivity of, of all this, um, when it comes to recording, you know, it's all about your ear. Like when it comes to going to someone else to record what's going on and then mix it and, and whatever, people hear things completely differently. And, you know, we found a guy a few years ago that has a great ear and really hears how our sound, how we think our sound is. And so we just, and he is a dynamite producer and engineer. So, you know, we work really well with him. And then you, there's the pragmatic side of, you know, you're locking yourself in a room with five or six people for three or four days, right. if not longer, got to be able to get along and, you know, everyone's got to jive and, and, uh, you know, he's, He's, you know, it's good. You don't, you don't, you don't change producers very often unless you really just want to. Um, I, I want to, I want to give you this, uh, just to, just tell this quick story that you made me think of a Brian Eno mm-hmm. has, uh, has oblique, what is it called? It's called oblique directions or something like that. I don't know. And it's, I'm not uh, super familiar. And it's a card to be quite honest. that he would hand the artists mm-hmm. that would say like, you know, um, Think of a think of a brick, but not a wall, or think of a clay. Like instructions that didn't make any sense, but mm-hmm. to try to get them out of their groove to get them to produce something. Right, and that's a huge talent that. Um, and our guy has similar things to that, but yeah, that's and that's a whole other side that I don't personally understand because I've never really sat down and and produced like that. And yeah, to to uh, think of a brick and not a wall is <laughs> is a great one and super appropriate. Cause like, Huh? Like, all right, let's do the next vocal take, and then the next vocal take. Your your mind was released of wherever it was before. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I have to check him. Oblique out strategies. That's what it's called. Got it. Got it. And there is an app. I have it, and I use it when I'm writing sometimes. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Hmm. So we'll write that down when we're done <laughs> with this. Right, yeah. So when you're doing songwriting, um, and you're and you're trying, and you're saying, all right, yeah, I think I'm ready to to put something new out. And you, because we, we talk about writer's block a lot, and I'm sort of wondering it, how how does that translate for for songwriting? Because I feel like for you, you've like we've got words on a page and, and that sort of thing, but I feel like you've got almost like this. You've got two jobs to do because you're you're right you're physically writing the note the musical notes that are going to go with this, and you're also writing the words that are going to go with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that seems like twice the work. It's, it, it may be, um, I feel like, I think writing songs, there's a lot less quote unquote rules in writing music and songs than there is in writing like prose and poetry and, and, and novels and all sorts of stuff. Like, um, so maybe that's a good thing, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I have, I've been dealing off and on with some pretty intense writer's block for years and sometimes it just doesn't come, you know, and, and I, the only times that I feel like I'm able to really sit down and work on a song, like say I've got like the basic, you know, half the lyrics and most of the music, you know, the only times I really feel like I can sit down and work, uh, objectively on a song is when I'm like in the middle of just rolling through a bunch of stuff. I'm like, all right, I've got, 
Now I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to move this here. I'm going to do that. But other than that, it's, I kind of just rely on it to just come. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, you're sitting there and a lot of my songs have similar imagery because similar things inspire me. But, you know, you can only write so many songs about the wind and the rain and the sun, you know, and, and, and broken hearts traveling and, oceans. and broken hearts right. and oceans and mountains, you know, and, and I, and I don't, I don't mean to sound like weird about it, but, um, but yeah, sometimes it just doesn't come, and and maybe maybe songwriting being a little looser of a writing discipline, maybe that's uh, you know a disadvantage in this respect. To where like if maybe if there were more rules or more ideas of structure to start to, when you're in a writer's block, be like, okay, well, I can just start doing this, and I don't know. Well, and also one of the things that I would imagine is very difficult <clears throat> is that if you play someone else's songs, that still counts as work. Right? Oh, definitely. So, like, so you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to get it today, so I'll just work on this other stuff that's not mine. And then after a while, it's been two weeks. Well, <laughs> and that's and that's another another thing with being in, in you know self employed or independent or whatever is like you know there's always a million zillion things to do right. and and i get really overwhelmed um that was one of the reasons why i needed to that i wanted to leave it's just like you know and i just i just don't want to have to think about a billion things every day and because it, it, it just i i don't know where to start you know and i know a lot of people out there are the same way um uh, i don't know um yeah, and, and there are actually, I was thinking about this on the way over, actually. There's two songs I started writing out west, one of which I really, really want to do some work on, and it occurred to me on the drive here that I had not done any work on it <laughs> in like a month or so. Um, but, you know, I don't know. There's there's always always work to do. Yeah, always. I think that, you know, um, and, and that's something that Tony and I have talked about with other people is sometimes when you you know, I'll carve out a Friday morning and say, all right, Friday morning, I'm going to stay home and I'm just going to crank this thing out. And I have all the best intentions of it. And you sit down and then it's just that cursor yeah. just staring like, at well, you blank. And I'm what's like, what's the first word going to be? Exactly. You know? you know, you sit down and you're like, oh, well, you brain, please just write good, open you know, up, open you up. Know? Right. And, and it's, it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to, open up and it's especially when you know there's things like bills to pay and schedules to keep and just all you know it's it's can be very very challenging and really frustrating (laughs) but then when that spark hits yeah and you're on fire there's nothing like it yeah yeah that's true there's nothing like it i'm even i mean feeling a little giddy just thinking about it well maybe it is though and, and, and it's and it's that insane back and forth that is just really the reality of 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 being a writer and an artist in general and just <sighs> and see and now I'm back down. See now I got okay. really amped up for a minute thinking about it. No, and now we're we're in a we're in a, we're in a good spot. There do you know do you know where I'm most likely to catch fire? In a limerick. And when I'm writing limericks, when I'm thinking up really, really clever rhyming words together. And uh, we we can send them to you if you'd like. Yep. If you like the podcast and you like what you're hearing, you can go to so what's your story podcast.com. There's a contact us button. If you click on that, give us your name, your email, pick a word. We will make it in. Well, I will make it into a haiku. Tony will turn it into a limerick. We will put it on a postcard. 
slap a stamp on it, and put it in the mail. Pay a person to bring it to your house. Will you actually slap? I Does would. it make the noise? Yeah. I've seen her do it. Okay. It's it's a that stamp goes on pretty violently. That's pretty aggressive. It's good I, to know. Very aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Now this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. Well, Nate, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast. Thank you so very much for having me. It was we, awesome. It was a delight. Right back at you. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and if you like it, then feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.